Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. All right, let's go to the Word together. I want to read to you from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 12. Just one verse for a start. It says this, Jesus is speaking. He says, From the time of John the baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people have been seizing it. The word seizing there is a word that literally means not just to grab a hold of, it means to press in. It means to see that maybe other people are trying to get there and you just joining the throng, pressing in, saying, I know what I need and I'm out to get it. It wasn't the most likely time when Jesus is speaking. It certainly was not the easiest time. The Romans were ruling all of Israel at that time. And I know that they are to be applauded for some of their initiatives and governance and all that stuff and philosophy and medicine. But I also know that they invented some of the most cruel and barbaric ways of, of punishing people that have ever been known on the earth. And so it's not an easy time. Spiritually, the whole nation has gone into a an almost like, well, you wouldn't even call it a comatose state. You'd say it's worse than that. They've gone into a, a, a thing that no longer had any resemblance, resemblance to the God and the worship that He had put in place. And people have forgotten about the love and the grace of God. Instead, it's all become about law and about rules and regulations. And so it's not a likely time. But Jesus said, in that unlikely time, people began to press in. Can I tell you, everywhere I go, whatever part of the world I'm in, and it's been in Australia for the last 16 months, but whatever part of this nation I'm in or whatever environment I'm in, I keep meeting people that have never before perhaps thought about God. I talked to a young man this week doing his master's degree in philosophy and creative writing, saying to me, I, I think I'm an agnostic. I'm not sure whether I am or I aren't, but I'm interested. That was his words to me. I'm interested. Can you tell me? And I know that all around about us, I meet people like that Russian lady this morning, a young woman again. It seems to me like all over the globe and not out of a reaction to a pandemic. I am not sure apart from the fact that I know that whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises up a standard against him. So I'm sure that whatever the devil is trying to do, I'm sure God is going to trump him, raise the stakes and do something awesome across our globe. And I do know that in an unlikely time and not easy time, I know that most of the time it's a press in time. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you. Come on, here's a word from God for every Christian. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, the force that's in you is greater than the force that's pressing on you. We need to know that or else we could be tempted to crumble, to stumble, to give up to let go, but we need to understand that there's a power inside of every believer that is greater. Don't
Don't let your heart, like Dr. Ruby said, when she was worshipping, don't let fear grip your mind. Don't let fear become the dominant voice in your life. Don't allow the enemy to convince you that it's all bad. Hear the word of the Holy Spirit that better times are coming. Hear the Lord speak to you and say that He's doing something great upon the earth, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Greater is He that's in you. Let me take you right now to a story in the life of Jesus, an experience that he had. And then I want to talk to you about pressing in and the, the reality of the journey of it all. Mark 5 verse 21 says this, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, he came to him and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, the next couple of verses take you to a sidebar if you want. It wasn't a distraction. Jesus didn't have those. There were divine appointments that were a surprise. And so this woman who has an issue of blood, verse 25 down to uh, 34, tells the story about how she too pressed in through a crowd. I'll come back to that one later. But this woman pressed through. But in the meantime... Jairus, who has begged Jesus so desperately for an answer. Jairus stands there watching while somebody else gets a miracle, while his daughter, by the moment, gets weaker and weaker. So let's pick it up in verse 35. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the ruler of the, sorry, the house of the ruler of the synagogue. He saw a tumult. It was a, a, a noise like a mob out of control. Those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why do you make this commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. And he entered where the child was laying. He took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Kumai, which being translated is little girl, I say unto you, arise, and immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was about 12 years old, and they were overcome with great amazement. I want you to think with me tonight about the first thing that Jairus hears. Jairus is a man with a desperate need, and I guess somebody that's a part of this service, probably a lot more than one, will have a desperate need in their life. There'll be something that's playing on you and plaguing you. And tonight I want to talk a little bit about the journey of faith because I find so many people have, have kind of misunderstood faith. They think of faith as a magic wand. They think of it as like something that I order up on Uber Eats and God delivers. 
as though somehow or other I go to my online supermarket and ask for this to come and, and you know, they just send it. The first thing that he hears from Jesus is, I'll come. The second thing that he hears is this, why bother? The third thing that he hears is from the mouth of Jesus. Be not afraid, only believe. The fourth thing that he hears, the noise of weeping and wailing, the voices of people who are saying it's too late. The fifth thing that he hears is again the words of Jesus. She's not dead, she's just sleeping. The sixth thing that he hears is the sound of his friends, his relatives saying, don't be ridiculous. Think about it a minute. I'm going to get my friends to come and help me. Thank you. Here they come. Thank you, Dr. Ruby. Thank you, Paolo. Give them all a big hand. Here they come. This is very difficult. I had to, I had to search high and low to get people that were of such intelligence to be able to hold up these pieces of paper. Follow it along with me a minute because I want to show you something about the journey of faith. I want you to imagine with me tonight that you are walking with Jesus. I want you to, in your imagination, go, I'm Jairus. I've heard about Jesus and even though no one else in my synagogue believes in him. Oh, the rest of them, they're going, he's a bad person. We don't want to have anything to do with him. But desperation sometimes makes you cry out to God. And so Jairus humbles himself, swallows his pride. He doesn't care who sees him go to Jesus. He doesn't care if they end up getting rid of him as ruler of the synagogue. Now, right now, it's his daughter that matters. So he comes along, he says to Jesus, my daughter lies at home at the point of death. Jesus says, I'm going to come. Thumbs up for faith. But the next step in the journey of faith after the woman with the issue of blood has taken up all of Jesus' time, the next thing he hears is this. Why trouble the master any further? Why bother? Can I say to you that oftentimes after you hear the words of Jesus, there'll come another moment where this is what you'll hear. Why bother? But you know, Jesus speaks to him. Third thing. Here it is. Be not afraid. Only believe. Woo! Thumbs up for faith. And I look at Jairus and I, if I was him, I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm weird, but I think I'm just normal. But I've been on the roller coaster emotions of faith so often. I spoke a couple of weeks ago about when your faith gets the wobbles. I don't believe in faith as some mental gymnastics you have to perform to pretend. That's not faith. I believe faith, sometimes the journey of faith looks just like this. I'll come. Why bother? Be not afraid, only believe. You go, wow, that must have been a high moment. But the next one follows straight after that. They come to the house after walking all this way and the only thing they can hear is the sound of wailing. Every Jewish person, every person in the Middle East, quite frankly, every single one of them, regardless of whether they're Jew or, or Arab, would understand that sound because it's something that's, so bred in the culture. Here they would have heard that sound, that signaled even from before they turned the corner to his house. They would have heard that sound and Jairus would have known exactly what that meant. What he told me back there is right. The facts are accurate. She's actually died. And he goes and he hears that. And so we've gone from up and down and up and down. 
And then Jesus stands there and says one again, one of the strangest things. He says, she's not dead, just sleeping. And I don't know how high his heart jumped in that moment. I'm not sure. I do know how many times for me I've gotten in the place of prayer and I know we're all people of prayer. I'm not any better at it than anyone else, but I know the number of times happens to me so often it's ridiculous. You know, my mind can be filled with all the thumbs down moments, the things that aren't happening, the answers that don't look like they're there, the setbacks that maybe seem sometimes to line up. And then I'll come into the place of prayer and I'll hear the Holy Spirit say something so ridiculous, so not what my circumstances look like, so not what my feelings say is the truth. And I'll hear him say, she's not dead, just sleeping. Better days are on the way. Good things are in store. Some oh, well, how could that be? Well, then the very next thing that they hear from that is after he said this, and this is Jesus made this great statement. What's the next thing Jairus hears? Is all these people, isn't it funny how people can go so fast from deep founded grief into laughing at you? Like, are you a lunatic? Huh? And that's the next thing he hears. And Jairus has got a, a choice all the way along. There's six of these. Six things he hears. I'll come. Why bother? Be not afraid, only believe. You know, the sound of wailing. She's not dead, she's sleeping. Oh, don't be ridiculous. And he's got the choice out of all of those six to go, which one of these am I going to believe? Am I going to go along and say, thank you very much? Yep, absolutely, Lord, I'm taking that. I need every bit of encouragement I can get. I'm taking all of all of this, Lord, thank you. I'm coming back out of the place of prayer. I don't know about you, I never go to pray without pen and paper or some way to write it down on and some device to record it. Because too often I find that what I hear from God somehow or other can evaporate in the heat of the moment. And I write it down and, and then I go back and I read it again and again because I need these things because otherwise it becomes you know, too easy, doesn't it? To walk out of where you are, to leave there and you walk out and you go, yeah, they're right, you know. Yeah, I read in the paper. I read that my industry's struggling. They said that it's not likely to recover for years. I don't know if I'm going to have a job, where that's going to go. And it's very easy to walk out of the place of prayer and you picked up the wrong things. Amen? And some of us get to the end of our week and all we've got is sheaves of these kinds of pieces of paper. You know? The doctor said, sorry, doctor. I know you just got to tell them the facts. But I tell you what, when you go to the doctor, go in there and listen to them. I believe in that and have done that. But also know I want to go into every situation armed with a few thumbs up from Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to go in there going, I've heard from God. It's going to be all right. Amen. Can't tell you unequivocally. Is that the way you say that? It's either unequivocally or unequivocally. Well, I'm just going to go with either. I'm just going to say without any shadow of a doubt. I know this much. I know that the Holy Spirit is waiting 
to speak something. You know, Amos 8 and verse 11 won't come up on the screen for you, but you might want to remember it. The Lord says this in the last days, there's going to come a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. There's going to come a famine, not of the words of the Lord, but of hearing them. Why? I think it's because so many people get so occupied with this one and with this one. And some people, they, they believe social media more than they believe Jesus. Not against social media. I'm on it. Amen for social media. Praise God. Put something good in there. However, whatever it is, whether for you it's social media, the paper, the news, someone around the coffee pot at work or whatever else it may be, make sure that you're making a wise choice. Don't let that come into your life, a famine. Oh, Lord mercy. I don't know if I'm preaching this good enough yet because uh, I feel like for me, I'm preaching to me tonight actually, so you know the rest of you can just chill out. But I'm, I just know how often for me in a journey that we are all on, how easy it is to get along and go, oh yeah, that's the one I'm seeing. You know, they're fading back into the darkness. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing that one. Rather than hearing the things, Jairus had six to pick from. Jairus ends up with the answer he wanted. Why? Because he said, thank you, Jesus, I'll take that. Thank you, Jesus, I won't be afraid. I'm only going to believe. Thank you, Jesus, she's not dead, only sleeping. And this father goes into that place like that and around him he leaves all these other things behind and he goes, look what I've got in my hand. Look what I've got in, not only in my hand, look what I've got in my heart. He says, this is what I believe. Listen, Christians are not people that pretend. There's no, it, faith, there isn't one aspect of faith in the whole of the Scripture that's about pretending. There's nothing in the Bible that says that, anything remotely like it. Faith's just a higher knowledge. It's knowing things that other people don't know. It's believing something that may not be common because obviously there's Jesus, Peter, James and John, Jairus and his wife. How many does that add up to? Can you count? One, three, four, six. The little girl's not believing anything because she is dead. Six people and there's a crowd of people believing the opposite. Do you know what I know? I know that six of you believing that is always going to have more power and more impact than 50 people that believe in that. Amen? Amen. Give these people a big hand. You've been very good. Oh, wow. I, I think that's just exceptional, really. The truth is that's what the journey of faith looks like. And I get to choose which voice I'm going to listen to in my season of challenge. Will it be only believe or will it be why bother? Will it be too late or will it be a miracle's about to happen? But let me finish by taking you back to this interruption we spoke about a bit earlier. This is a woman who has an issue of blood for 12 years. It's a long time. But more than that, the Bible says she spent every cent she had. She sold everything trying to get healing. She's been to every medical practitioner. She has Googled issue of blood and tried every one of the remedies that they came up with. Eat green grass that's been pulverised with whatever. And she's gone and tried every kind of whack and quack kind of thing that she could think of. The Bible says she was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But when she had heard of Jesus, verse 26, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, suffered many things, many physicians, spent all she had, was no better, rather grew worse. Verse 27, but when she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd 
and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. I wonder what you tell yourself. Psalm 13 verse 2 won't be up on the screen for you either. But Psalm 13 verse 2 says this, How long will I have sorrow in my heart, taking counsel in my soul daily? There's a preacher you listen to far more than me or whoever else might be your go-to. And that person is you. The psalmist recognises that there's sorrow in his heart. Why? Because the counsel he's giving himself is not counsel that leads to life and health. I'm amazed at the things people will say and they'll come for prayer and you'll pray the best prayer you know how to pray and then they'll just say, well, yeah, but, you know, I, I, it'll never get better. And I go, I said to some reason, I said, well, what did I pray for? Why, why did we just pray? That's what you, but they're giving counsel. Now, I'm not saying that they'll never get it. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying, I know the way it'll affect their soul. Come on. Have you started a course and you're struggling with it? Are you in a place where maybe things are a little bit, you know, uncertain in your field? Why don't you decide to counsel your soul well? For she said, when she'd heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. Why? Because she said, she said, I wonder if you would be a part of the group that pressed through the crowd because of what you say. Or you the good old Aussies. And pardon me for everyone that's in India and you may not understand this or wherever you may be in other parts of the world. But pretty much this is pretty stock standard for us good old Aussies. Yeah. Well, we'll say. Well, we even have a saying that goes like this. It won't make any sense. Pull the other leg. It plays jingle bells. Who thought that up? It's an Aussie thing. Aussies are pretty good at that. But I've found around every culture I've ever been to, no matter whether it was in the Middle East or in Europe or in Asia or Africa, every place I've ever been, I've discovered people are pretty good at talking themselves out of the very thing that they want. You can believe the crowds. You can believe the voices of past experience. That's what this lady had. Everything in her history said, get it. Everything in her history said, why bother? The thoughts that try to crowd in, I really wish if someone one day can find me the off switch for my brain, I'd love that off switch. I'd love just to be able to go, you ever woke up in the middle of the night and your brain is racing with a thousand stupid things? I thought it was only me. And I don't know about you, but I've never found that I can just go, boom, that's gone. What I've usually found is I've got to get in there and go, God, I'm going to put my mind on you. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Amen. You can believe the crowds, the voices of past experience, the thoughts that crowd in. Maybe you're the only one. This woman had no one else that believed it. I reckon her friends saw her walking around muttering, saying, if I could touch buddy's clothes, I should be mad. What did you say? Nothing, just talking to myself. 
oh, if I could just touch his clothes, I'd be made whole. Because I don't think she said it once. I think she muttered it. I think she said it again and again. Before that moment came where she heard Jesus was near where she lived. But when she turned up, there's a whole mob of people. She's got initial blood. She's not allowed to touch one person. She's going, what am I going to do? Do I let the miracle just go past? And say, so, well, it wasn't meant to be. But something in this lady was made, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, that got inside of this lady's heart said, come on, that's it. And she lunged through the crowd, dived and grabbed the hem of his garment, a mouthful of dust down in the dirt. And the moment she touched his garment, it says she knew she was healed. She felt it. And Jesus felt it as well. Something went out of him. He stops and says, who touched me? And the disciples go, there's a mob of people here. What do you mean who touched me? He said, no, someone touched me differently. I believe that what we all need is people that will touch God differently. Amen. Not people that will just come or people that will just pray, but people that go, God, I'm going to touch you. I'm going to touch you differently. Let me remind you again. Because if you're like Jairus, your journey will not be one steady upward climb and the wave of the holy magic wand. Most likely your life will be like mine. You start praying for your kids and it goes worse. And then you come and pray and you hear the Holy Spirit say, it's okay, I'm with you. But then next week something else goes there. And then the next thing you pray and a word jumps out of the scripture at you and you go, wow. But then again, you know what I'm saying? Collect these. Discount these. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. We are on a journey with you, Lord. This is not some kind of formula. Jairus never walked home with a formula and nine keys and seven rules, eight principles. He went with Jesus. So Lord, I'm praying that each one of us in our life, as only you are able to do, will you'll walk with us and help us, Lord, for the moments when we get the thumbs up and we're so pumped, our vision's coming to pass. But Lord, the days when the thumb is down and we want to know that you're with us through the thumbs up and the thumbs down, no matter what's coming our way. Thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray for people that are a part of this service and they don't know what it's like to walk with Jesus. They might know religion of some kind or other. They may know church of some kind or other. And yet, Lord, if they were honest, they go, I don't really know what Jesus is like. I'm not walking with him. I wish I was. I pray for them, Lord. Wherever they are, Lord, every single week people are saying yes to you. Oh, God, we thank you for that. Help each one, Lord. Help those that are going to say yes to you tonight. Amen. You can look this way. I love the simplicity of saying yes to Jesus. Because it's a relationship and not a religion. Here's how you know the difference. Religion always complicates everything. 
100 rules, 10 different things you've got to do. Best advice I ever got in my whole life as a young Christian was this from my pastor. Not sure how well he knew me. Not sure whether he said it just to me or he said it in preaching. I can't really remember. But I remember this, and this is, again, an Australian saying, so you'll have to interpret it to your culture. But he said this, he said, the secret is to make Jesus your mate, your friend, your closest friend. And I grew up in this country where mateship is huge. I understood that, you know, if someone's your mate, they're your mate. And if they're your mate, even if they upset you, they're still your mate. You just stay. You know, and you'll, you go through stuff with them and some days will be good and some days won't, but they're still your mate. And honestly, that's all I've tried to do so far is to make Jesus my best mate. I don't mean that in any sacrilegious or, you know, any kind of wrong way. I mean it in the truest sense. Moses was called the friend of God. Abraham was called the friend of God, rather. Moses saw God face to face. Jesus said about his disciples, hitherto have I called you servants, now I call you friends. Why? Because what God wants to have with you is relationship, not just obedience. If you've never said yes to Jesus, it's so easy. Up on the screen for you right now is the number. If you're in Australia, it's 0488-826-392 and all you've got to do is text YES. We don't need your name. We're not asking you for any details. We're not going to write and ask you for anything. Matter of fact, we'll do the opposite. The next day after you do it, we will start sending to you some help. Every day for 30 days, you'll get a different Bible verse and you'll get a different prayer that you can pray so you get kind of started in walking with God. If you're outside of Australia, that number wouldn't work for you, at least not without great expense. So you really need to go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au And if you go to that, and just put in your yes. We'll send that to you via email. It's all free. I've had people say to me on more than one occasion, you have no idea how impact. I didn't even know they'd texted yes. But they told me about it. And they, I said, you know, how long you've been following God? And they said, I texted yes months ago. Someone told me only a week or so ago, I texted yes. What's it like? Oh, it's been amazing. I feel like God is with me and helping me every single day. Pretty powerful. I'd love you to do it. 488 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. Amen. How many people here just love the Lord? Don't you? All these people here on there. Oh, look at this. Lovely people everywhere. <laughs> the only way my industry is suffering is from lack of chefs, more jobs than people. Someone else on here saying, what a great message. Thank you. Amazing time of worship and prayer. Yes, it is. I want us to get ready because some of you, before you hit the car park, or wherever it is you go next, I'm pretty sure I know you'll meet someone in the crowd. That crowd. The one that goes, why bother? The crowd that says it's too late. Most likely somewhere between now and home. You'll hear that. And I really want you to take a minute where you say, Jesus, tonight I'm taking this. The great thumbs up from you. Come on, team. Dr. Ruby, come lead us. We're going to worship together for a minute.
just that one song, if you will. And we're going to hear and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Pastor Bruce is waiting in the studio for ministry time to pray with people. Be our joy. Pastor Ray, I know would love if you're in the building, you want prayer, just hang around. He'd love to pray with you. Just come down the front. Can we stand together before we go? Let's lift up our heart. Let's say to God, I don't know about the rest of you here, but I'm like going, oh God, would you write those words from Jesus in my heart? Would you write them so I can't forget them? So they can't get drowned out by all the other stuff that's going on? I want to hear it again, Lord. Thank you. Thanks, Ruby.